but I, that's I what I used so. to hear. Well, jeez, you're drunk most of the time. Well, uh, well, what do you mean most of the time? I'm drunk all of the fucking time. All of the time. Grab my generic intro, copy and paste. Yeah. Honestly, I'm very. All right, I'm we're very still doing King of the, the Hill money. and Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm good. I I have re- I have a really fun amount of research on my show and my creator, so I want to do. Oh, that's great. I, I don't. Do. <laughs> I was honestly surprised. I even wrote down a, a little rant thing that I I will go on because I was surprised. A by this rant? Thing. Oh, thank God! I <laughs> love I love. Chloe I rants. literally did a. They're brand, my favorite. But this is like a planned rant. Like this isn't like a plant. <laughs> this has nothing Wait. to do with the show except for the fact that the people. Yeah, it has. A I'm very small segment that has to, to do with the show, and I'm excited about it. Hey, everybody, I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And welcome to Back to the Pilot. Today, we're taking a closer look at some lower middle class families with the middle and Malcolm in the middle. So set aside those sibling rivalries for a moment as we take you back to the pilot. Wow, for just writing that, it's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Boom, nailed it. Thank you. Crushed it. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, please. Please. Okay, calm down. No. It no. wasn't that good. I need no. you to relax. <laughs> no, please. Thank no, you. please. Seriously, Chase, shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's my turn to go first this week. No, this I don't want you to. We have a special guest, everybody. Chase right. is being officially fired and jockey music is taken <laughs> over. No. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, no, for real though. Um you I'm are going first. first yeah. I'm doing the middle. Mm-hmm. So, Chloe, tell me, what do you know about The Middle? Uh, I knew literally nothing about it. I think I had seen, like, an episode or two, like, randomly and sporadically, but absolutely nothing. I knew I knew nothing about this show. Got it. Um, you know, I uh, I think I knew fair amount. I mean, I, I had known that it was Did this you watch show this about show? this family with three kids. Uh, yeah, I think it was one of those shows that, like interested my family okay. when I was younger. And so it was just something that we started watching, I think in probably in season one, because I would have been, a, I would have been about the right uh, age for me to just be sitting down watching TV with my family mm-hmm. at night. Um, uh, so I, 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 you know, had a general idea of what the show was about, but certainly no information about the backstory and creation of Sure. So with yeah. that said, uh, I can get right into it here. Oh, do it. Give us the, the dirty deeds. Uh, yeah, I'll give you I'll get all the dirty Like who details. was sleeping with who on this set? You know what I mean? Who was sleeping with who? Well, <laughs> let me tell it's you that show. Like the episode on. title was Pilot. Very saucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, and it originally aired on September 30th of 2009 on ABC. If you want to go give it a watch, you can watch it with a subscription to HBO Max or with premium subscriptions to Hulu, YouTube TV, and Sling TV. Uh, And it says it's also available with, uh, or it's available on Freeform free with a cable subscription. So if you pay for cable, you can go. Which means it's not free because you have to pay for cable. Just want to point that out. It's free with cable. But that's not free. If you're mooching off of somebody else's cable, then it's free. True. But you get Freeform. If you have cable, so in in right. general, my if point you're paying, is, yeah, it's just my it's, point it's is a that if you go to the freeform website, you don't have to subscribe to some freeform plus fair to watch the show. You can go watch it on freeform 
Yeah, I mean, if you already pay for cable. Yeah, I get it. You I just get log it. in with it's the just, cable provider. It's, it's not free, though. It's just... <sighs> Freedom isn't free. Um, <laughs> it costs a heavy fucking fee. <laughs> uh, and it's also available for purchase uh, on all your typical uh, video playing apps. Uh, the synopses for the show are as follows. Or the synopses the for the show and the episode are as follows. Uh, for the show... Um, the daily mishaps of a married woman and her semi-dysfunctional family and their attempts to survive life in general in the town of Orson, Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for the episode, uh, Sue tries out for a show choir with disastrous results. <laughs> Frankie desperately tries to close a sale with disastrous results. And Brick has trouble relating to his teacher with odd results. Uh, and it was created by Eileen Heisler and Deanne Helene. Is Deanne now, a woman? If you're wondering... Yes. Oh, nice. Um, and if you're wondering who those people are, then I would tell you, but I also don't really know. Not much about they, them on the internet. Neither of them had a Wikipedia page Love on them, that. Um, which that's that's my first sign, you know, when I'm looking up information about television shows for this podcast. Usually people don't have a Wikipedia page when there's not a lot of information about them. Um, uh, I will say that here's what I did get about them. Uh Eileen was born on January 10th, 1965 in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and I didn't get Deanne's birthday, but she was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And they both attended Indiana University, which is where they were um, assigned as roommates. And that's how they met each other. Nice. Uh, as far as their careers go, I, I like I said, there wasn't really official background as far as like, here's like a typed out paragraph on their background. But uh, from what I gathered, they worked together. They basically worked in tandem throughout their careers because um, they hit it off. They, like I said, they were assigned as roommates at IU. They instantly became friends. Uh, after a couple years there, they both transferred to NYU where they uh, completed their undergrad degrees. And then they both went on to work on the following shows together, which included Murphy Brown, Ellen, Style and Substance, In the Loop, Three Sisters, Committed, and How I Met Your Mother, all before creating The Middle. Did it say what their roles were on that? Like, were they producers? Yeah, writers? so with with the exception of Murphy Brown, which they were both producers on, uh, the rest they were all executive producers on. Okay. Uh, and for most of them, if not all of them, it was basically one season. Like, all of the dates saying that they worked on those together from, uh, like, I think... Um, how I Met Your Mother was 05 to 06, and that was it. I, I just have to say this because it's just like this is the shit, and when I do my show, you'll see. But this is that is a very similar thing that has to do with my creators as well. So I just like <laughs> it's just it's the fucking fact that we just have the weirdest perfect shit line up with our shows. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, uh, this, this is just gonna be so short. Um, as far as what I could find on the actual creation of the pilot, uh, the series was like originally developed for the 0607 development cycle for ABC and it was going to star Ricky Lake as Frankie um Ricky and then Frankie that there? um uh she, she was she in Ricky Turnblad. Lake <laughs> from 93 to 04 she but, was in hairspray the yeah she was Tracy Turnblad in hairspray um not yeah not the, the movie Queens. with uh sorry that's a confusing. yeah not the new movie not the, the newer newer version yeah, of hairspray yeah, yeah. the older version of hairspray the 1988 film yeah um, but she's. It looks like she had her own show a couple times. She was on a show called Ricky Lake from '93 to '04, and then 
she was on the Ricky Lake show from 2012 to 2013. Um, but yeah, uh, so she was, it was originally going to star her uh, as Frankie, the mom, but that, that pilot got essentially, uh, I don't want to say blown up. That pilot just got, uh, <laughs> it was actually out and they, <laughs> it was completely blown <laughs> the up. The building that everyone was um, working was on and that with that demolished. <laughs> just got annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, ABC later ordered a second pilot. Uh, and they recast the entire Heck family with the exception of the youngest son, Brick, played by Atticus Schaffer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the only other thing I could find out that was interesting about the show was it was originally going to take place in Jasper, Indiana, which is a real place. But at the uh, sort of, um, it's risky. God, I'm so blanking on the word for this. At the advice of some attorneys, they decided to set it in a fictional place that's based on Jasper. So that's yeah. where they came up with Orson, Indiana. I mean, that's the whole concept of a uh, <laughs> Family Guy and Simpsons being like, I don't think we can actually say what what Springs which Springfield yeah. it is. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I don't really know what the like I, I it's something that I'm very interested in, but I see it a lot in television and some movies where they they set it in a um, fictional place, but in a real state or like it's in the United States. It's very obviously in a state, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the same thing with um, you know I mean King of the Hill it's set in Arlen, Texas, which isn't a real place, but I, I don't know the legal implications of I think it's why more so. That. Like, well, is Quahog a real place? I don't I don't think so. I've I never it looked has, it up, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I haven't either. I think it has to do more so with, like, the second you start... Because you can get sued if if it's seen as... If the, the content you're creating is seen as kind of slander or bashing the town. Um, I mean, let's be real. The middle starts with the fact that they're flying over Indiana and it's like nobody... Wants nobody to fu- nobody even cares. looks down at the play, right like <laughs> nobody gives a fuck so it's like I think it has something to kind of do with that that it's like it, it by not picking a real town it gives you the creative freedom to kind of be able to shit on the town like it's kind of I, I, yeah. I don't know if Parks and Rec is based on real towns either but like no it's not Pawnee Indiana is not a real place yeah so it's like it's kind of like that it's like you I don't think they could nearly get away with as much shit as they make fun of for Pawnee if it were a real place, because you eventually one, get like, you'd get pursued in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I assume. I, I will say Parks and Rec makes more sense because it's actually like they're the playing government, government officials. Yeah. So it's like if you chose a real place, then you'd essentially have them playing the real government officials. Yeah. But it's it's things like that, like, uh, like I don't know if you've been watching Mr. Mayor at all. I watched the first season. I have not watched the that. Next I mean. Yet. Uh, like Ted Danson playing the mayor of LA is, I mean, I love it. I think it's hilarious, but I mean, that's just straight up. Yeah. Like a lot to do. with just bashing on LA. And I guess it is like what you're, I think it's uh, easier to get away with something like that because it's like in the LA is the inner, like a huge part of the entertainment industry. So it's like true. It's easier to get approvals and talk to like the actual mayor of LA and be like, "Listen, is it okay if we do this? Is it okay if we do that?" Blah blah blah. Yeah. Whereas it's like, are that. you really gonna talk to the mayor of some random fucking town in Pawnee, Indiana, right? Like or whatever. You're really gonna go talk to the mayor of Jasper, Indiana, and be like, "Hey, uh, is it cool if we call your town kind of a shit show?" Yeah. Um, exactly. I don't know. It it just seems like like there's there's 
the way that I read it when they said like, oh, uh, the like they had attorneys who recommended, you know, don't say it's actually Jasper, Indiana. You can heavily imply, but don't say. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess I just never really actively thought about it that much. Yeah. I but mean, that's I a good guess point. Because you know, I, mean, I think there's a lot of cities that would get a little bit angry at you. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, it, um, you know, they have various reasons for tourists. They probably have, or what yeah, have exactly. you, And they don't want that to get smeared by a TV show. That's totally fair. Possibly doesn't really points. know that much about that show, you know, or that. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I will say that, uh, both of the, um, both the creators, Eileen and Deanne, were from places near or uh, around the that northern Midwest. And I think, uh, I didn't write it down, but I think Deanne did live in Jasper, Indiana. Oh. Uh, so she she had, like, so this place being based on Jasper, Indiana is directly from her experiences there. Interesting. I mean, um, that's fair. <clears throat> so... Uh, so that that is something that like they didn't just arbitrarily pick up like a Midwest. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned have that. An idea. It's just, yeah. Which is the same thing with Mike Judge and King of the Hill. I mean, he he lived in the suburbs of Dallas. Yeah, and so it's a very common Arlen theme in general, those right? Dallas suburbs. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, very common. Very common. I mean, Seth MacFarlane with Rhode Island, like he picked yeah, it because of totally. going to school there and living in Connecticut. So. Yeah, it's and the mayor, Mr. Coast mayor, Coast. with God, some <laughs> made up place called Los Angeles. Los Angeles. That. Um, Los I mean, Angles. That's weird. Los Angles. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm down to move on to superlatives unless you have some other notes. No, I have. I have a little in, bit but... more. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry. You totally said totally done, but okay. Well, you made it. Sound uh, no, like I say that's all I got on the creation of the show. Um, the next few things just. No, just kidding. The next few things I want to talk about just. Uh, to wrap this up, uh, the show was received pretty positively from critics. Um, it was picked up for a full 24-episode season after airing just two episodes. Uh, so they they basically just were like, yeah, we'll go all in on a full season of this. Uh, nice. And then uh, they the critics really portrayed, or they really uh, uh, praised the show's ability to accurately portray what lower middle class life is like while also making it entertaining. Um, because there's, I mean, even watching this episode, you can definitely like, there's, if you really focus in on like the, the negatives of like the life that they're living, like it starts to get a little bit heavy, right. To mm -hmm. think about, cause the people who are the audience that are watching this are all going to be probably in that lower middle class, um, like income range. Like that's their target audience with this show. Yeah. So it's like if if you let people focus in on their lifestyle and the life that they're living, it starts to probably it would probably get like it gets a little real, you know. So For the sure. the critics were very uh, they, they very much enjoyed that they were able to sort of keep it lighthearted and happy while focusing on the positives of that lifestyle rather than just focusing on the negatives and still being able to accurately portray it. Yeah. Um. Uh, other than that, the show was, I mean, I say other than that, uh, the show was really successful. It ran for nine full seasons. Um, and as far as I know, and as far as I could tell based on my research, there weren't any hiccups. It basically just, you know, they, uh, like during the fourth season, they renewed it for a fifth, then renewed it for a sixth, then renewed it for a seventh, eighth, and ninth. And then the show only ended at the request of the creators. They were basically just like, yeah, we're, 
kind of we've ran we've let the show run its course so it didn't get canceled the creators were just done with the show yeah they were they had told all the um, stories they wanted to tell so i i think that it's uh i mean as far as i know really successful i mean <laughs> you talk about for for such a successful show you'd think there'd be more information on it but i guess not i mean it's interesting because I feel like there's some of the some of these creators of shows are just very much they're just very behind the scenes and stuff and they don't have a desire yeah. for people to know much That's about so them, true. which is totally fair because it's like a lot of people get into the film industry and the behind the scenes be- because they don't want to be the face of things, which the yeah, second you totally, create something, it, they I become totally successful. want to respect that, but also. You know, I want to go take pictures of you while you're trying to eat your lunch. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what's wrong with that? I want to see what you're trying on at Target, okay? So, just... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, because they don't even. Have, I just had to look because pretty I, normal life. Yeah, she's got two sons and a husband. Yeah, I mean, and I just I looked on I their IMDb's and they like don't even have bios. Like that's how you know yeah, that exactly. they don't want shit known about them. God damn it, Malibu. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair to assume that they just kind of wanted to make a show, live their lives and do what they want to do. Totally respectful. Mm-hmm. So now, now I'm ready to get okay. into Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry I jumped the gun. You just made it seem like you were no, done. I, I, so that's my, I, that's my bad. I, yeah. I, I was done with the essential background of it. I wanted to get more into the and I results that. of. And honestly, so. because of you, I do more research on the results of like the the viewing and all that shit so yeah i i just do i like to see where the show went like we can watch you can watch a pilot episode and you go and you can say like yeah it's it looked really good like that's that's all but it's nice to kind of get a background on uh, and i started doing it more after we did more shows that had only one season we did a couple of those Mm -hmm. and just like you watch i mean just the one that comes to mind always is LA to Vegas. We both loved that oh, pilot episode. So and devastated. Like you watched the whole first season oh. and it's just how devastating it is to have good shows like that get canceled and you just want to know why. So I think it's, it's worth understanding why, you know, sometimes there's bad pilots that get that run for a while. Sometimes there's really good pilots that run for a short period of time. So I always look into how long these shows run Yeah. Uh, to really get an idea of uh, their, long-term success so i feel that um uh but yeah i I mean beyond that my um my superlatives we'll we'll get into uh get into that and i'll start here Mm -hmm. my favorite character was i mean and this was the case for both shows but we'll get into malcolm in the middle obviously but uh for for me my favorite character was frankie the mom frankie heck nice i didn't dislike frankie but i loved brick such God, a little weirdo. Brick. I, I couldn't oh get God. over it. I love his um there's some more and I'll talk about it in a sec, but uh, I just love his evolution throughout the show too. Uh my least favorite character was Frankie's boss. Mm-hmm. And I felt comfortable picking him because I know he's a recurring character. Uh I it, I would not have been able to pick a favorite character if I had to pick from just the family because I think they're all a least favorite character, you mean? amazing yeah least favorite okay. character is that not what i said you said favorite so oh yeah sorry uh least I, favorite character if i had to pick from just the family yeah i didn't realize that the bot that the boss was in it consistently because i would pick him i was kind of picking just from the family and i picked axel yeah. from the family 
But totally now knowing, yeah. just because he's kind of, and I get it, that's the character he's written as, and he has his redeeming moment at the end, but it's like, he is still a little bit of a fucking tool. He's like the, it just reminds yeah. me of like a little bit of my brother in high school where it's just like, wants to have nothing to do with their family. And you, like, it's just portrayed so well. Like, I is. remember being a 15 year old angsty boy <laughs> walking around the house in his underwear. I don't know if angsty I ever did that. Angsty boy. But- just the way like that, like that. It's like to be in high school and to be a high school boy and thinking that like your parents are just the worst. <laughs> yeah. See, I have like no, For and I know no that I'm a girl, reason. so it's different. But I have no like recollection of ever. Like I've never thought my parents are the worst. I honestly don't think anyone in our family ever did. My brother was more so the like. I was the the youngest of our family, and so like I always wanted to do cool stuff with my brother, and. Uh, it got to a point where he was like, fuck off. Anyway, makes a whole scene. now knowing <laughs> just in general, now knowing that the boss is, uh, is in it for more time. He's definitely the worst fucking character. He's a total fucking tool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a few characters that are, um, like they aren't really portrayed as much to be recurring, but, uh, yeah, the, the dealership where she works, is is a set that they use multiple times throughout the show and so um so her her two co-workers and her boss are uh, are definitely recurring characters that's good to know i mean it kind of um, makes and sense and i i with, will say uh, i i think the, the boss does have at some point a redeeming arc or episode a little bit where they're like like yeah he's a dick but we should invite him over to dinner or something like that yeah. um well, I mean, like, like at that. the end of the day, it's like that's your boss, pretty, right? Pretty so typical it's like you're trying for, to for that kind of show. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good one. What's uh, what was your favorite part? Uh, I, I love every time um one of the kids says "mom" and she's like "Mike" and he's like, and then he says the kid's Axel name Axel or whatever. Yeah, he's usually <laughs> Axel. Because <laughs> Axel says that's something good. to the kid to Brick. Brick's like "mom, Mike, Axel." Yeah, so it's funny at the Love end when they time. like call it back, but they don't know what name at that point. She's like, whose yeah, name am I supposed to say? It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Mom, Mike, Axel. Axel? Yeah, I like Frankie? that one as well. Frankie? <laughs> Wait, who am I supposed to say? Whose name is um, I, I mean, there are, some, there are tons of good parts to this. Uh, there are. I had a very hard time episode. picking just I mean, one favorite. It is hard to pick one. To, like, I just love that, that that part specifically because they call it back at the end. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I also just love the redeeming part at the end where they pick her up. Yeah. Like, I love that that family moment. So, Exactly. Exactly. Um, the favorite part I ended up picking is when they go to the daughter's show choir performance and it turns out that she's on the crew. And it's like, the parts that come after that are just painful, right? Because it's like, put the right. box down, put the box down. But it's just, I love like how proud the parents are and I love how proud she is because it's like the crew is a part of all of that like it it, no Mm -hmm. no performance happens without the people behind the scenes no show no anything so it is nice that they kind of like use that as like she made she did make it she made it in the way that she cared about and that's all that matters she gets to be a part of it but then she fucks it up because she's so proud of it and her dad (laughs) is saying like uh, what's the daughter's name again uh Sue. Like, go Sue. And it's like, dude, it's not a sporting event. It's a performance. Like, shush. <laughs> it's just great. Just and then, classic Midwestern dad vibes. Yeah, too. but then the classic painful, like, she fucking doesn't put the box down and then everyone just dominoes down. Well, you just said it. Performance can't happen without the crew. Exactly. 
So. Everybody's important. Yeah. So, but I love that part. That just was a great part. I also love any time that the mom, the mom has like, I think the other, one of my other favorite parts is when they're at the parent teacher conference with Brick's uh, teacher and she's like, I'm working right now. And it's like the guy that's testing the car <laughs> is like waiting outside. I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I think like you said, there are so many great parts of this episode and you know, with that said, I could not find, pick a least favorite part. I don't think there's a part of this episode. The one thing that I was thinking about was just like the, like, come on, just put the box down. Like that part yeah. where everything falls apart. But even that, I mean, there's the humor in it that I really like. Yeah. Of I, just the situational stuff. Yeah, for sure. I picked a very small part, very similar to like the box part, just put it down, just that particular moment. The particular moment for me is when the mom eats that like, that pastry in the road and i'm just like oh gross like are you that hungry like you and it's like a twinkie and they like and then it's like nice and relieved by like her family showing up and it being like cute but i'm like in my mind i'm like you've already called them they're on their way like um come on yeah i mean it is packaged I know it is, right. but it's just like, still, it's like how, I don't know, in my mind, dirty. in my mind, I would never do that. Like, how long has that been out there? <laughs> is there mold in it? It's just like, you just don't know these things. Are you going to get like a terrible illness from it? I mean, I think the idea, like, obviously it's gross and the whole scene is meant to be gross in that way. Um, I will say though, that because it's packaged and like, I would never do it, but I think in that situation, I would certainly think about it. If I saw a Twinkie on the side of the road and thinking, oh, it is a Twinkie and Twinkies don't go bad. Very I mean, but it was, it's not, it wasn't a Twinkie. It was a, those other kinds well, of Well, it wasn't, but it was, it was like well, the, weird cake the reason it, the reason it wasn't a Twinkie is because they couldn't make it directly a Twinkie, but it was yeah. like, it says little Betty on it, which is just a play on little Debbie, um, which is the dessert company that makes Twinkies. Mm -hmm. um, Either way, it was just, uh, <laughs> or does Hostess make Twinkies? I don't remember. Little, little Debbie makes something like Little it, Debbie but, makes like those little cake things that look exactly like the things she eats. Those little brownie yes. things. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, but I, yeah, it's definitely gross. Like I understand <laughs> that it's packaged. I get that. It's just like, that's probably the one moment in the episode where I was like, oh, please don't like, <laughs> You're like, oh no. Yeah. Like you kind of like, there's part of you that wishes that they would have pulled up right before she did that. Exactly. Like, I'm just like, could we not have made the timing before she ate the fucking thing? <laughs> But alas, here we alas. are. Alas, um, overall, I I really enjoyed this episode, and I sort of remember why I didn't mind sitting around watching this show with my parents. Um, and I uh, gave it six out of seven good noodle stars. Nice. I uh, I honestly, I gave it five. I don't really know why. I think the only reason I did is because I gave. Well, I don't want to give that away, but it has to do with what I gave Malcolm in the Middle, and I enjoyed Malcolm in the Middle mm. more. Um, mm -hmm. but in reality, I enjoyed the whole episode, so it's very easily could be a six out of seven. But my yeah, original, I mean, my original, original judgment was a five. Yeah, the thing that I was gonna say about Brick and his evolution is he obviously with these kinds of shows, you're dealing with younger uh, actors and actresses; they age very obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's it's kind of funny because I think that actor Atticus Schaffer who plays Brick uh becomes you know like he hits puberty while the show's like airing yeah and obviously would hit puberty in the show 
because I'm pretty sure they all age. Like Axel goes off to college, they all age accordingly. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not an animation. uh, One of my favorite episodes about this show, and I I feel like I reference it a little bit, and people don't often know what I'm referencing for good reason. But there's an episode where they're trying, like, I think it's either, I think Frankie's trying to keep a secret from uh, Mike, the the dad uh just for i don't remember the exact reason but she needs brick to lie and brick doesn't feel comfortable lying uh because he's he just always feels the need to like say what's on his mind and so she finally gets him to lie and at the end of the episode he he says a lie directly to her uh as like a test or something <laughs> or and he and then the over of uh, the voiceover of her talking about it, she's like, "But Brick has a tell," and under his voice, he just or and his, under his breath, just whispers, "I'm lying." <laughs> oh, that's great! Because so he it's does just that like his tell is every time he lies, he just says, "I'm lying" under his breath. Well, it's so like I it has to do with his like whisper, the right? In the in this first yeah, episode, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in the first episode, right, he whispers a, a word that he just said in a sentence. Multiple and times, and his dad's like, uh, stop that. Yeah, eventually you realize, like, eventually it's sh- shown more as a tick than, uh, like, something he prefer- he likes to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Which is how it's portrayed both, in this right? episode. But yeah, it is a combination of both. But, like, yeah, so the episode where it's, like, he, like, instead of whispering a, a word that he just said under his breath, he instead whispers just that he's lying is his tell. Just, I think about that way more often than I should, but it's hilarious to me. And so I I reference that bit a little, a lot. I love that. I'm lying. (laughs) That's good. Oh, man. Anyways. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I love the middle. It's a great show, but what I am excited to hear about is this rant about Malcolm in the middle. (laughs) One thing I want to say before I get into Malcolm in the middle, (laughs) when I was watching the middle, because I told my, my parents, my dad, particularly, I was like, yeah, I got to watch these two episodes. Is it okay? I watched them yesterday morning. I was like, is it okay if I watch the middle and Malcolm in the middle? My dad was like, yeah, that's fine. I put on the middle first. And my dad is like, that actress looks different. And I was like, from what? And he's like, that's not the same woman that plays, is it? That's not the same woman that plays the mom in Malcolm in the Middle. And I was like, dad, this is the middle. And he goes, mm, mm-hmm, okay. No, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, honestly, yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's a brunette mom with a, yeah, it was just funny. And he, he like, yeah, it was just really funny because he's like, I thought you were watching Malcolm in the Middle and I was really thrown off. So <laughs> I am not yet. Not yet. It really is. It really is one of those shows where it's like, is this the same show? It's not. It's but not. Is it? <laughs> I think the cool thing about these shows that the, that makes them similar just from like a watching standpoint without knowing anything about their background is that they do have that like thir- they don't have laugh tracks and they do have that like breaking the fourth wall except for she doesn't break the mm-hmm. fourth wall she just narrates everything that's kind of happening yeah um but yeah anyway with all that said uh chase what do you know about malcolm in the middle you know i i know about malcolm and he's you know he's in the middle except for like technically uh, he essentially not right because he's a son he's, of four, he, so. yeah he's treated he's the third son mm-hmm. he's not the middle son like he's not the middle child but he's four though that's the weirdest basically basically portrayed as a middle child 
in that like they have three kids living at home yeah true uh but um uh yeah you know i i also there's all there's that uh whole thing about frankie muniz and his accident that <laughs> left him with a lot of amnesia and i love that there's this video that went around a few months ago about uh frankie muniz he's on like some podcast or talk show and like they ask him about it. he's like like there's this rumor that you just don't remember any of this show. And he's like, I, I don't understand how that rumor started. Yeah, I had an accident. I have a little bit of amnesia. And there are some things about the show that I struggle to remember. But usually I like pick up on it when I'm reminded of it. But also like, anybody that has done something. Like I played hockey for a majority of my childhood. I couldn't tell you most of the trips I went on. Like, yeah, I have some concussions. But that's not why. It's because there's certain things you remember and certain things you don't. Our brains yeah, store I mean, so it's memories like, in a different way. Like he had that he had that accident, and there were certain things that he just couldn't remember doing. But like people t- took that as like, oh, he doesn't remember any of Malcolm in the Middle. I don't think he, he even, even knows, knows that he, he was Malcolm. Show. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the rumor that went around for so long. And I, I mean, I didn't know any better. I believed it. You know, like I'm not any better of like of a person for believing it i'm just i think it's hilarious that this video went around a while back about him having to come out and legitimately say on this talk show yeah that's not true <laughs> yeah it's funny because for me in so, classic um, form i was like late to all of it so the i the first i heard of it was when he was like being like yeah it's not true like oh, i didn't gotcha. hear about anything prior to that video of him being like basically smashing the rumor of like yeah it's not fucking true really yeah i used to hear that all the time like oh yeah frankie Muniz doesn't remember anything about malcolm in the middle or most of his child acting career which honestly not a bad thing to black out child actors get fucked over a lot so (sighs) yeah although i was a huge fan of big fat liar i love big Um, fat liar great show doesn't mean as a child actor he was treated well no it doesn't but Great movie. I yeah. said show. Great movie. Anyway, let's... Uh, Sorry, you go on. No, you're good. You told me what you knew about Malcolm in the Middle, and 90% of it had to do with Frankie Muniz, so I love it. Um, okay, so moving on. Uh, not moving on, but getting into the show. The title of the first episode is Pilot, so we have that in common. Uh, the pilot <laughs> the pilot released on January 9th, 2000 on Fox. Places you can watch it are... Uh, I watched it personally on IMDb TV. But you can also watch it on Hulu, and it is also for purchase on Amazon and various other uh, streaming platforms that you can make those purchases on. Yeah, when I when I looked it up, it said that you could watch it through Amazon, like you watch it on Amazon through IMDb TV, and that's yeah. just free. Like I don't think you need a subscription. No, you don't. Which I did right? end up yeah. watching it that way. Like I just searched it on our Fire Stick, and it came up with yeah. IMDb TV, which is kind of annoying because it definitely could have come up with Hulu and been a little bit better as far as the ads are concerned but it's fine the hulu didn't have ads which was interesting oh see that would have like, been hulu way better. often has ads but uh when i was watching i was expecting an ad and it never and I, it just never happened so yeah the imdb tv they gotta work out their kinks they got the, like it's not a terrible streaming service but it's just like they gotta work out their kinks mm-hmm. um but yeah so and then the creators names are the primary creator and i'm gonna list it this way because the other two creators don't really seem to hold the same title and uh, development status as this, as the first creator, but their names are Linwood Boomer is the main creator, and then Gary Murphy and Michael Gluberman, um, or Glauberman. Those are all amazing names. Yeah, they are, actually. They're fantastic <laughs> names. <laughs> 
Also, when you search Gary Murphy, uh, you have to put in Malcolm in the Middle because there's apparently some Irish golfer also named Gary Murphy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things – I didn't talk about this too much. One of the things that I sh- – like just trying to look up information about the Middle is like, oh, you want to know about the Middle Ages? Oh, you want to <laughs> know about the Middle by Jimmy Eats World, which plays at the end of the show, uh, which oh I always God. thought – which I also thought was good. But um, yeah, it was like just looking up the Middle – not not easy to find just information about the TV show. Yeah. You got to put a few more keywords in that for that Google search. <laughs> um anyway, so the series synopsis is a gifted te- a gifted young teen tries to survive life with his dim-witted dysfunctional family. And then the episode synopsis is Malcolm has been labeled a boy genius and has moved much to his chagrin. Oh, what a good word, chagrin. What a good I love chagrin. <laughs> And has moved much to his chagrin into the Krellborn. I don't know. I fucking have no idea how to pronounce. That. I didn't even notice I was in there. In the Krellborn, born Krell Krellboy K R E L B O Y N E. And I'm sure they said it in the episode. And I just didn't realize that this was even in here. He's moved. In, I don't. He's moved into a gifted program, um, which is a class full of nerds and geniuses like himself. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with that. I, as far as I thought, name. I was pretty sure they were saying Krellboy. Like There's I didn't an hear an N E at the end of that word Krell while they boy? were saying it. I'd it's have to turn Krell on boy. the subtitles to really know for sure. But yeah. I mean, now I'm you do sure because it's in the right. it's in the IMDb synopsis and yeah. yeah I mean, just, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so going on to the creators' histories, uh, like I was saying when I first said the creators' names, I'm going to talk about Linwood Boomer primarily because he it's the whole show seems to be more about his creation and when on imdb the other two are listed as creators but when you look up who's the creator of malcolm in the middle on like google almost every single source says linwood boomer so Hmm. not entirely sure why the other two are listed but we'll get we'll get into it so linwood boomer was born on october 9th 1955 in probably a place that you very much love uh, and would like to go to go back to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, beautiful, gorgeous. Um, He began his, uh, there's not a whole lot about his childhood. I will get into a little bit of it later when I do some comparisons, but um, moving on to just his, we're just going to jump from his birth to his career. Um, He began his career as an actor. One of his biggest roles was being Adam Kendall in the 1979 movie, Little House on the Prairie. He enjoyed acting. That was his biggest role. He only did very small roles leading up to that. And then after that, he was like, mm, I don't know if acting's my thing. So Boomer actually decided to focus on his skills behind the camera. And then his first jobs in behind the camera ended up actually being a uh, as a writer and producer on two NBC series, Silver Spoons in 1982 and then Night Court in 1984. There are a lot of gaps in his, like, as far as the research I was able to do, there's a lot of year gaps. So I have no idea what he did from post-1979 to until he got that job in 1982. Right. I imagine he built up, met people, kind of did that kind of stuff. Like, shook a lot of hands to try yeah, to get some Yeah, just spent jobs. that time essentially networking. Yeah, exactly. Um, then after developing an adaptation of the, the popular British sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf for American television... Um, that unfortunately did not get past the pilot stage. Boomer ended up moving on to be a writer and executive consultant on the relatively short-lived sitcom Flying Blind, um, which was only on from nineteen like for one season in the nineteen ninety two ninety three season. And then 
1994, he was a writer and co-executive producer on the show The Boys Are Back, which also only had one season for ni- from 94 to 95. And then from there, this is where like a little bit more sequentially happens and we're coming up on my rant, which is exciting. But um, <laughs> I'm, so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. In 1996, he went on to serve as one of the executive producers for the first season of Third Rock from the Sun, as well as a single season show called Townies. And this is where the rant kind of splits off. I had never heard of Townies. But Townies was created by Matthew Carlson, and it was about three friends that have been stuck in their East Coast fishing community forever. No matter how badly they wanted to leave for the big city, something it was always bringing, tying them down. But the biggest thing about this is this show had some huge people in it that like were either huge leading up to it or became big after. So it had Molly Ringwald, which is best known from Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club. It had Bill Burr in it. Which, like, if you don't know who Bill Burry is, he's a comedian. Had Lauren Graham, who went on to be, who went, she went to be in, um, oh my God, uh, Gilmore Girls for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Um, Ron Livingston, who, like, you don't, it's like a name you don't really recognize, but you recognize his face. He was in Office Space. He's the main character in Office Space. He was in Band of Brothers and several other things. And then Jenny, Jenna Elfman, who I think is, Danny Elfman's sister, but she was in um, Scrubs, I think. I didn't write down what one she was in, but I recognize her face, and I think she's the one that was in Scrubs. Um. Anyway, that's my little rant, just because I was just shocked. <laughs> just like I was just shocked. I was like, like I've oh, never heard of townies? this fucking show, and what then I the clicked on the IMDb, and I'm townies? like, <laughs> I clicked on the IMDb, and all, the first thing I saw was just the the cover photo, and I was like, that's Molly Ringwald, Bill Burr. What the fuck? Who is in the show? <laughs> <laughs> Which those are all really good actors, so it's like the premise must the premise and the writing must have just been shit for it not to survive, honestly. <laughs> um anyway, that that's my little like rant. see a small little name. Oh, what the fuck is Townies? Oh, what the fuck? fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I had to I had to talk about it. Um anyway, moving on from that rant, in two thousand uh Boomer ended up working on the controversial animated show God, the Devil, and Bob, which was also created by the creator of Townies, Matthew Carlson. Um, It had two or three seasons, I believe, um, but he only worked on the first season of it. And then um, just that's kind of like where we lead into Malcolm in the Middle. But before I get into Malcolm in the Middle, um, as far as Boomer is concerned, I'm going to just get into the other two creators that were listed on IMDb T on IMDb. No, there's no TV there. Um, no. <laughs> so Gary Murphy, um, like your two creators, these both these both these creators, Gary Murphy and Michael Gluberman, literally nothing about them on, on the internet. No IMDb's, no sorry, no IMDb bios and no Wikipedia's, nothing. Mm. Um, so the only thing I could really deduce is from their credits on IMDb, which is. That Murphy worked on God and the Devil and the Devil, sorry, God, the Devil, and Bob, which is most likely where he and Boomer met. There were no other common projects they had yeah. they had prior to that, so that's got to be where they met. And then Gluberman worked on Third Rock from the Sun and had no other pride. That was like his first big thing he did. Like it was the biggest credit he has on IMDb as his like first credit. So. That's most likely where he met Boomer. And that's literally all I have about those two, which is also why it's kind of weird to me that they're listed as creators. I feel like they probably helped a lot with the development of the show. But uh, based on most of my research, they weren't actual, like, true creators of it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, 
Anyway, so then moving on to the actual development of Malcolm in the Middle. So Malcolm in the Middle was originally written and developed for UPN, which was United uh, Paramount Network. And then uh, it was a combination. I don't know that uh, United Paramount Network was the... Yeah, it was. Sorry. So United Paramount Network was the actual channel it would have aired on. And then Regency Television is what actually was producing it. So it was originally written and developed for UPN and Regency Television to air uh, in the 98-99 season. And then UPN kind of just started to lose interest in the show. For Honestly, I don't really know what reason. I don't know if they just, because Boomer was still working on stuff and not fully, I don't know what the cause of Mm. the lack of interest in actually airing the show was. Um, But... Then the founding president of Regency Television, which was a TV studio created in 1998 as a co-venture between Fox Television Studios and New Regency Productions. Well, um, that's a kind of weird sentence. But the founding president of that was Gail Berman. She made the choice to basically, quote unquote, rescue the pilot from completely disappearing. And then, so she was the president for that, the founding president for Regency uh, Television and then she actually went on to become the uh, entertainment president for Fox uh, in the seasons that Malcolm ended up airing. Malcolm in the Middle ended up airing. Um, okay. But she took Malcolm in the Middle. It was one of the primary. This is where like certain things within, in the television industry that I, I don't fully understand. It, but basically, it's a Regency television program that went on to air on Fox. So I don't think Regency Television had their own channel or anything like that. And that's why they basically made a deal with Fox to have it be a show, a Fox yeah, that, show. I was going to say, I, I've never heard of like a Regency Television. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, just trying. So. I feel like it's almost like they're more of the production company. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because they created Regency Television to be a like a co-venture between Fox studios. And so I guess, yeah, it'd be like how they would be contracted with Fox to create shows for mm-hmm. Fox essentially. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So Malcolm in the middle became one of Regency television's programs where it then moved to the 1999, uh, 2000 show cycle where it was picked up for a mid season premiere on Fox. I did a lot of research and I could not figure out what show it ended up replacing um, but the first season is only 16 episodes where most of the other seasons are 20, 22 to 25 mm-hmm. episodes. Um, and that's because it aired mid season. And then, so kind of, that's just how like it got into to development, got picked up and got aired. How they actually came up with the idea for the show. It's very loosely, not very loosely, but it's loosely based on Boomer and his family. So the, another reason why I don't really understand why the other guys are creators, but it is what it is. Um, this is like a show, like, I know I said loosely, but it's what the more reading I did, you say loosely because it's like, how much was he trying to really make it off of his family? Right. <laughs> but it's pretty fucking close to his family. <laughs> Boomer was the second youngest of four sons, which that's what Malcolm is. Um, no, his mo- oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, you you're second youngest. I was like, second oldest. No, he's not. <laughs> no, second youngest. Third child. He's the third of four sons. Right. Um, he had a very powerful and overwhelmed mother that was constantly taking care of their family while their father, while their zany father always seemed to be getting into sticky situations, which Hal doesn't necessarily get into sticky situations. He's just kind of a goofball and mm. isn't overly present in their family. I don't like, know. He, he not present in like himself in the sticky situation. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, 
in this first episode, he doesn't. No, not in the first episode. Yeah. But um, then, uh, in particular, it is described that Malcolm is very much based on Boomer himself. Boomer being the second of uh, second youngest of four children, just like Malcolm, he was also incredibly smart. Uh, he was also an incredibly smart kid who was placed placed in a gifted program when in school. Um, in an interview I was reading with Boomer, he said that there are a few key differences between the two of them, Malcolm and Boomer. He says that Malcolm is based on me, but the character is much more well-adjusted than I ever was in high school. I was more self-centered and antagonistic, so basically I took a belligerent jackass and turned him, a.k.a. Malcolm, into a charming eccentric. So, I just found that kind of interesting. Um, because it's like it's very much based on him as far as like a li- like little bit of his childhood, and that's where it's, it's like the loose part. But It's loosely based. It's loosely based. <laughs> Here's all these things that are exactly what happened in my childhood but you know i mean you know my name wasn't malcolm so (laughs) and i mean he describes in that same article and i didn't write this down in my notes uh because i had a lot of notes already but in that same article he was kind of talking about how he was very antisocial. he didn't talk to a lot of people he was made fun of a lot there was some interview where he recalled being called mary as a kid because his hair was longer and he was kind of like that rebellious hippie kind of dude mm-hmm. um he recalled consistently calling his principal and teachers idiots and he's like i in that same thing he was like i can't fathom like he didn't say fathom but to an extent uh not verbatim he said i can't fathom my, my kids saying something like that to their teachers so right it's just he's like it's crazy to think of how i was as a kid um but yeah i mean that's how they came up with the idea as far as like uh I mean, really, that's how they came up with the idea and how it was thrown into development and then actually picked up. Um, As far as obstacles with creating the pilot, the biggest obstacle is what I discussed earlier with the development, which is the show almost disappeared. And then thanks thanks Mm -hmm. to Gail Berman, it was not. So, yeah. Um, Thanks, Gail. Yeah, thanks, Gail. If you're Uh, listening, if you're out there. We appreciate you. Um, And then just a little bit on how the pilot was received is the debut episode of the series was watched by 22.5 million viewers. And then the second episode was went on to be viewed by 26 million viewers. The season, or the sorry, the series ran for seven seasons from 2000 to 2006, with a total of 151 episodes. One of the biggest things that was I found interesting about the show is that it was uh, received it received critical acclaim for standing apart from other shows in the way from other shows in the way that it was a single camera sitcom without a laugh track, which at this point in television was a highly uncommon thing to do as far as sitcoms were concerned and then uh just wanted to note the pilot episode went on to win an emmy for outstanding writing in com in a comedy series which is kind of cool i did have i do have more information so i don't know why i kind of made that sound like a button i made that <laughs> last thing <laughs> but wait there's, there's more. more i definitely made that sound like a button <laughs> statement and it's not um I just did a little bit on the actors, only Brian Cranston and Frankie Muniz, because I couldn't find much else about the other act, primary actors. But honestly, those would be the only two I, would, I was going to add, like I would be interested in. Which is fair. Um, so Brian Cranston was actually immediately given the role, despite the fact that they were auditioning people for Hal at the time. But he was immediately given the role after stumbling, not drunkenly, I might add, but he was filming something else on the lot that they were apparently setting up the set for Malcolm in the Middle for. And he basically stumbled upon the set being built. And at the time, the four boys and Lois had all been cast and were rehearsing an argument scene 
where Cranston decided to act out a quote-unquote bit off to the side where he reacted to the co- the argument in real time. Boomer, who was there at the time of the, the not the audition, but the rehearsing, noticed Cranston and immediately offered him the role. And he was, he basically, that same article kind of just said, and I don't know, I didn't write it down, but he basically said that Cranston had the exact feel of what he wanted the father to be like. And until he saw him, they never once saw one in auditions that they liked. So it's kind of a cool, basically he auditioned by accidentally showing up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's really he like cool. walked in he was like just reacting to yeah he literally like probably he like wasn't even trying to react to it he was just like oh that's an interesting oh 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 yeah <laughs> and just looks over and like that's my guy that's our right guy there. yeah um and then just uh, frankie munez it was uh he thought that he had actually botched the audition not only with his acting and how he portrayed the character of malcolm but because but also because malcolm for the auditions and he was offered into the audition like it wasn't there was no stumble but the role of Malcolm called for a nine-year-old, and at the time, Muniz uh, was 12. And the more I think about that, I'm like, there's just no way that that role could be, could have been played by a nine-year-old. It just wouldn't no. have worked as well, and unless it's like a creepy, good nine-year-old actor. But yeah, so he thought he had botched it, and then he got a call saying he got the role, and he was like, oh, I guess I didn't botch it. Um, but yeah, and then one final little fun fact, aside from what other shows were on at the time, is that the uh, everyone apparently there's this and I don't know much about this because I didn't really watch Breaking Bad that much, but apparently yeah. aside from just Brian Cranston being in both shows, there is a link to the shows. The cast and crew of Malcolm in the Middle ended up shooting a Bob Newhart type ending for Breaking Bad. That uh, I, I I was very confused by the way that this was listed. It said it was on the DVD box set. It has to have been on the DVD box set for Breaking Bad. Because it doesn't make sense that it was on DVD box set for Malcolm yeah. in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. But you can also just search it on YouTube. You can search Malcolm in the Middle, Breaking Bad ending. But they basically had Hal wake up in bed next to Lois, having the entire series of Breaking Bad be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is, they did that. Bob Newhart did that for the Newhart show. Too. Yeah. But it's a, that's a very big call. And I've mentioned it many times on our show, but that's a very big callback for when they mm-hmm. shot the Newhart show. The very ending of it was Bob Newhart with his wife from the Bob Newhart show waking up in bed and it being all, all being a dream. So... I just thought that was really funny. Um, what's some, something really impressive to me is that this show, Malcolm in the Middle, was going up against major shows, major sitcoms at the time. That 70s show was on at the time. Third Rock from the Sun was on at the time. Friends, Frasier, and Will and Grace were all on at the same time. Um, and those are all shows that they didn't come out that year, but they were all, which is right. even more daunting, right? They had all had a very good base set of viewers. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just good for them for honestly keeping up with those shows and exceeding them coming at out, certain points. Coming out of it alive. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, I have a yeah, I have on. a question before we get into superlatives. Do you know if uh, I don't know the actress who plays Lois, but if Brian Cranston and that actress were they actually naked on the filming of this episode? I imagine so. I think they probably had like just seems like a, on. like. I mean, you're never fully naked. You have like if you're a woman, you usually have pasties over your nipples and covering a right. certain portion of your breasts. That's not going to be seen. As a male, you're usually wearing um, what do they call it? It's it's essentially the it's the equivalent underwear. of a loincloth. Um, yeah, and you're you're just it's covering just like to a point of that. 
Because the, of how uh, much they shot, like how much skin you actually see, they most likely were wearing very minimal things to cover certain parts of their body. Right, exactly. And like I'm just thinking about how young the male actors were. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing against that. nudity on a, like, as far as, um, and it might have changed, but as far as from what I remember, there's not, as long as the parents of the child actors sign off on it, and as long as it's handled with care and appropriately, there's nothing against right. nudity on a set just, with child actors. I, I just, I guess I'm just wondering if that was, like, back then, if it was more normal to do, because I feel like you couldn't get away with that now. Almost. You could probably get away with it as long as it's handled delicately and appropriately. I will say back then so... it probably definitely was a little more lenient. I mean, yeah. for God's sakes, and I know this is like in the 70s, but for God's sakes, freaking, there were like hardly any rules for child actors. Uh, I just always go back to Jodie Foster kissing Harvey, uh, not Harvey fucking, what's his name? Uh, Harvey, Harvey Keitel. No, Keitel. Oh. In the movie Taxi Driver, she's fucking fourteen oh, in that. Yeah. And Harvey Keitel's like forty. It's super fucking weird. There's like so few. There were so few rules for child actors back in the day. But back in two thousand, there were definitely far more rules. Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah, mean, I guess it was just like like it really is. You see a lot of skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you definitely do. like. You definitely get some. Uh, like you get some really close upper thigh uh, on Brian Cranston, and you get you definitely get some side boob on the girl, the actress who plays Lois. Yeah. So it's just like doing that around the the those child actors, and like just imagining like Frankie Muniz is twelve years old, like that. That just seems like those are formative ages. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm says- not like against it. It's just that seems very. Uh, just like yeah, I mean, again, I mean, as long as it's gotta have the parents sign off for sure. Like yeah, you said, for sure. The parents would have signed off on it; they would have been okay with it. Uh, just so crazy. Well, I'm sure it. they were probably present during the filming of that for their yeah, children's probably. sake. So yeah. Um, that said, those that, scenes yeah. that feels <laughs> like I mean that that is the most accurate thing for a family. To they just walk really around make their this house, family like, feel for parents to walk around their house naked. Yeah. It's it's truly like there are I couldn't I mean my mom never shaved my dad's hair but there are numerous times where I remember as a kid like my mom would just be topless like trying to get something ready and then be like I gotta put my fucking bra on and this kind of shit so yeah I don't think my mom would have ever answered the door no definitely not that's where my mom would have drawn the line for sure (laughs) for sure um, but with that uh, superlatives superlatives let's go superlatives. Cool. Um, my favorite character, uh, like you're probably going to pick, based on how you said your favorite character for the middle, I picked Malcolm. Same. Yeah, he's just great. It's just the main character vibes. Just it is, yeah. It's the good Love the narration, vibes. love the fourth wall breaking. Yeah. You feel, you feel it. The relatability to the kid, yeah. Even now, as an adult, like there's the relatability to him, so. Yeah. Um, least favorite character, I had a hard time picking, but I did pick Reese, because he's just such a little fucking shit in this episode. Uh, yeah, I think I kind of, I feel like, um, I came close to picking Dewey, but it was kind of between, uh, Dewey and Reese because Dewey has always been, and this is definitely because I've seen more than just the pilot episode. He's Mm -hmm. always been so manipulative with his age being the youngest 
and you get it a little bit and that has always bothered me as somebody who's not the youngest uh of a family Mm -hmm. um you know i feel like my sister used to do that when we were younger she would sort of use the fact that she was the younger child to like you know get more attention or whatever it was from Mm -hmm. my parents um I just like so, Reese I don't know just acts like a, a little vibe shit. on it because you are the youngest. So well, I also just try to base it solely off of this episode. Um, yeah, and Dewey doesn't have a like like Reese and Dewey have relatively small roles in this first episode. Honestly, mm-hmm. freaking Francis has a bigger role than I thought he ever did in the first episode. But I, I don't know. Reese just is the one that I was just like, God, what? Like he just is arguing over dumb shit, and it's just like. Like, you're fighting your bro- brother over, like, the stupid... And it's, like, the thing I do like is it's, like, it, it is hard to just pick him because they kind of are all doing it, right? They all are right. doing this thing. And it's, like, their mother also kind of pits them against each other by being, like, oh, there's only one ego left. You have, like, the rest of you are going to have to eat cereal <laughs> or, like, that kind of thing. But it's just, like, I just... Reese is just such a shit to me in this episode. Whereas, like, Dewey... I don't get that vibe from Dewey in this first episode. I know he goes on to be manipulative as a younger kid, mm-hmm. but also I just, I, yeah, I guess I don't get that vibe from him in this, in this first episode. Yeah. I, I will say that like, like when you say like the, like they're all arguing, that's such a, such a brother, mm-hmm. like sibling thing to do. Um, especially with two brothers. Like I don't have another brother, uh, but I do have cousins who are brothers and yeah. you could, you know, you picked up on that kind of like, they will just fight about everything and anything just because that's what they do. That's what brothers do. So uh, I just thought that that, I just felt that that was less of them being a dick and more of just uh, like the accurate portrayal of what brothers would do in that situation. Um, That's fair. So I guess at the end of the day, I had a hard time picking a least favorite. So if I really think about it, I could just go with not picking a least favorite character. The bully. Fuck that guy. Yeah, but he's not, like, throughout the show. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> no, he's a little shit, but then he also fucking loses. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just love how the end, and this isn't my favorite part, but I do love in the end where it's like, you hit a kid in a wheelchair. What is wrong <laughs> with you, man? He's got a wheelchair and glasses. Come on, man. Come on, man. Fucking hilarious scene. Yeah. Anyway, uh, with what that, with, uh, favorite my favorite part, I so it is really hard, but there are like two moments that I really enjoyed, like thoroughly. And one is the when they're shaving the dad's back, and they're like, "We should really donate this hair," and I'm like, "Ugh, gross." <laughs> and then the other part is, I mean, we talked about them both, but is when Lois answers the door without her top on, and she's like, "They're boobs, lady. We've all seen them." <laughs> That was my favorite part, was that second one. It's just so good. It's like... I love that whole scene. I just also love how that woman is like, listen, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. If I could just come in for a second, we can talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But uh, that whole... It's just the show in general is written really well. I mean... Yeah, it's it's written so well. And I think my favorite part about that scene is when she's saying like... Like, I'm here to talk about how smart your son is and looks inside and they're literally rolling on the ground <laughs> yeah. in a fucking, like, just in a fight. Yeah. I love that part of the scene. It's so good. It's just so good. Um, with that said, I actually did not pick a least favorite part. I I didn't have one. I truly did not. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I could I could think of was the, the scene where he's, like, talking to Stevie and he's yelling at him saying, like, well, you've been a freak your whole life. You know, yeah, you don't fair. know what it's like. 
like that scene. And he like immediately realized it because then he does the fourth wall break where he's like, did I just say that out loud? That's true. That's, um, a, that's a good one to be like. But even then, that's not like necessarily my least favorite part. No, I know. It's, it's, it it's, was hard to pick one. Like yeah. uh, It's weird because it's sure. like I feel the frustration. It's like it's really – as someone who has interacted a lot of times with people of uh, a certain – I don't even know know a proper political term. (laughs) No, but it's like Stevie has like this long ability. Like it takes him forever to say a sentence and that kind of stuff. And it's like it takes a very special person to be able to fully be a friend with someone like that or like sit down and listen and be patient enough. And that it's a difficult thing to do, especially for a kid who is like feels like he's being treated differently, even though he's smarter, doesn't like the fact that he's like basically even more of an outcast now because of this and it just like it it's just relatable in the fact that he like he's a kid he blows up like and he know and like you yeah. said he breaks the fourth wall right after that being like did i just say that out loud like fuck can't believe i did that so it's like it's even hard for me to pick something like that as a least favorite part because it's like it's super fucking relatable still it's like you just yeah, have to exactly. find a way to like calm yourself and be like yeah this is fine this we can have this conversation everybody's different you just have to have the patience for it mm-hmm. i mean and like stevie recognizes that too like he like he's like you suck in the in the moment but then they get to later the episode and he's already like like he understood that you know like this like malcolm's a good guy yeah right and, i mean they even throughout the show they go on to be best friends so it's like yeah well and that's the other thing i was gonna say was they go out they like what i love about their relationship throughout the show is and this is like this is just a, like something in television shows and movies that I've always really enjoyed is uh, when you have characters who are disabled in some way and they're just treated like normal people and you make fun of them like you would any of any of your other friends because uh, like yeah, like sometimes the, sometimes people like you know they treat they treat these uh, they treat people with disabilities of some kind that like they're. I mean, it's like the whole concept to... at the end of the show, for being honest. You can't hit a kid in a wheelchair who also has glasses and a disability. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you treat them like like totally different people and like you have to be like super respectful and like nice or nice to them. And it's like I love Malcolm's relationship with him in that it's like sometimes it's like like throughout the show when Stevie's trying to say something and Malcolm's just like, spit it out, man. Come on. <laughs> like yeah. just like as like joking with him mm-hmm. and Stevie sort of understanding that relationship. And he, that's what he likes about Malcolm is that he doesn't treat him like a just kid with a disability. He treats him like, right. His exactly. Yeah. Treats him like a friend. So, which is ultimately that's something what I Malcolm love wants that too, trope right? in what, sorry. I said, which is ultimately what Malcolm wants too. He wants to be treated yeah, exactly. like normal, even though he's different in the, you know, whatever way. Yeah, I will say that um, I don't know if you ever did. I was in like the gifted program at my elementary school. God, no, I was the kid that had to go. Like, this is why reading shit out loud. Like, when I have to read the synopsis, you punched the. You punched the no, I was. Kid. I was not a bully, <laughs> but I was the kid who had to like go to reading classes after school in like elementary school just to like get better at reading out loud. Because I was so uh, shit. I was super shit at reading in general. But I also, you know, in fucking school, you have to read out loud for stuff. And I couldn't do it. I'd either mm-hmm. freeze up or I couldn't pronounce things properly, even though I could pronounce it properly in my head. It just wouldn't come out of my fucking mouth right. the same way. Which is why I 90% yeah. of the time still fuck up our synopses in <laughs> series synopsis. Um, I was just going to say that, like, I was fortunate that uh, 
I never felt like I was like at my school, it was, uh, it was not treated in the same way that it seems like it is in this, in this show Mm -hmm. in that. uh, And as far as I know, the way that it worked at my school was the way that it worked in most schools around the country. Granted, this would have been uh, six or seven years later. Uh, But the way that it was at my school was that you essentially you had your normal class for most of the time. And then it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays at like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. Like with an hour left in the day, you would go to this other class mm-hmm. with the with the gifted program, and that was it. It wasn't a different class entirely for the entire day. So I still got to, you know, I still had all the same friends. I still had uh, like all of the same teaching teachers and stuff. And then I would go to a different class to we would do more like uh, things that were more, uh, I guess, like intellectual, like IQ stuff rather than just. Uh, like learning yeah um like read like i don't know what i don't know really know it was so long ago i don't remember the exact <laughs> things but it was just you did different exercises more, uh, that were meant for yeah, building up your iq and right. problem solving and puzzles and that kind of exactly shit. it was yeah. more yeah it was more problem solving I, and like jesus logic i wasn't even the one fucking in this okay god yeah so you're, you're <laughs> smarter than me well, I had so many friends that were like, I All would consider prove, smarter than me really that would mean? not have been in those groups too. And it was just like, I never understood what the difference of the group was. And I, I, it was, I do know now that it was an IQ based program. Yeah. They tested your IQ in the second grade. And then if you passed, if you had an IQ of a certain, of a certain amount, I, think, I, I don't know what it was, but uh, you got placed into the gifted program. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I never felt that it was, I never felt that I was actually smarter though. (laughs) Like it didn't make me feel like an outcast. It didn't make me feel like I was better than everybody else. It didn't make me, it didn't change how I viewed my world. Um, I I think it's a very particular thing that makes like Malcolm in this instance feel that way, right? It has to do with his family dynamic. It has to do with his school dynamic. Like it, a multitude of things add to why he feels like an outcast. Like not only is mm-hmm. he the one who like has to always like he has to walk Dewey to school because Reese last time Reese did Dewey cried, and like he has no, like Dewey a wet his pants. Oh, wet his pants. Sorry, wet his pants. But it's just like it's those things where it's like he has these stupid annoying things thrust on him that make him feel like an outcast at home as yeah. well as then at school. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. But uh, with all of that said. My noodle stars were six out of six out of seven. Same. I loved it. I loved yeah. that pilot episode. I think that again, that's why I gave the middle. I didn't like the middle as much as I liked Malcolm in the middle, and so it felt wrong to give him the same noodle stars. That's kind of where fair. my head was at. No, that's that's fair. It's completely fair. Yeah. You're wrong, but <laughs> you're um, wrong, <laughs> but it's fine. It's fair. No, I I liked them both the same, uh, which is representative of the fact that I gave them both six. Uh-huh. Uh I will say though that. I think I was pleasantly surprised at how much I actually enjoyed this episode of Malcolm in the Middle because Were you not expecting to? No, I wasn't because I for some reason I always viewed it as like oh that's not my kind of show. Interesting. You know? Like I watched it a little bit when I was younger, but it was it wasn't something that I would it was something that if it came on after a show that I was watching on a channel, I would change the channel so that I wouldn't watch it. I mean, I think I just I'm always thought about it that way. It so I don't know why I 
wouldn't i don't know why i didn't really feel like i was gonna like it but i just never did your family like your family never watched it right no i'd be partially uh, it wasn't right. i mean my family watched this show yeah. when this show was on my family like we didn't watch it as like intensely as some other shows we didn't we weren't like waiting for it to come on all the time but like if it was on we were watching it and we had right. if it was on and we happened to be whatever in the room eating dinner whatever it was like we'd watch it yeah and for me that was the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it makes sense. I do want to say that 90% of the time I was researching this, I kept typing Malcolm and the middle, not in the middle, even though I fucking knew it was in the middle. Malcolm, Malcolm apostrophe N, then <laughs> T-H-A, middle. In the middle. <laughs> Malcolm in the middle. The middle. <laughs> yeah. No. But, um. Anyway, kind of wrapping up, do we want to wrap these two shows up real quick? Or? You want to circle back to um, the the middle? I mean, basically, what I was gonna say is like these these two shows. (laughs) These two shows, yeah. I mean, something in common for me, which I mentioned early on uh, when you were doing yours, is that I had two creators, a part of my show that had nothing about them, and all I could really gather was where they met and when they met the main creator on the show, which your two creators was nothing about them on the internet, but you were able to deduce when where they met and most likely why they worked together. That was a uh, that was the only thing about them that was actually on the internet. Like I didn't have to deduce that they met at IU. That was the one thing that was Fair. consistent along like a couple of things that I saw on like IMDb and I think on the Wikipedia page for the middle. That's like it said that on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one defining feature that I could be certain of. But yeah, I did have to deduce from the IMDb credits that they did work on the shows that they worked in tandem on all of their shows. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, there are two shows about families, both well done. Neither and have a they laugh both track. Have the word, they both have the words the middle in they the do. title. They uh, do. They which I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you. I, I, like, that felt very... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Like, it's like, you know, it's a real high-level thinking. To get I mean, there. overall, but, I like, both good shows, both shows that ran for a while, uh, both... I mean, that's kind of all I got. Like, Look, they related in weird ways, like the creators. And then I'm they sure related in ways we expected, which is that they're both about families and they have a f- main character that has a voiceover Chloe. and that kind Chloe. of thing. Yeah. Chloe. Our <laughs> listeners, they're smart people. They've yeah. they've heard it all already. Let's so, just outro? not bore them with the details. All right, outro. We'll outro it up. Outro it up. Alright guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, go ahead and follow us on your podcasting platform of choice, as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot. If you think of a show that would be great for the podcast, leave a comment or send us an email to let us know. On the next episode, we're wrapping up Season 2 with some of our favorite moments and a top 5 countdown of our favorite shows. As always, we hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next time when we take you Back to the Pilot. So long, everyone. Boom. Nailed it. Boom, boom. Did you say currently boom. again? I probably did. I always <laughs> say currently. <laughs> <laughs> it's because go is the next word, and it's just, oh God, it gets yeah, me every fair. time. No, it's good. Because I'm just reading. You were in a gifted it. program, and I had to learn how to read out loud, but it's fine. But it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. The system works. <laughs> the, system, the system's great. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. Oh, no, that was a good outro. I'm excited. Are we only doing wrap-ups of our season two or all of it? No, season two. Okay. Because I was thinking this would be something we could do in every season. That's, that's a good idea.